three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Chicago. My name's John Zaglow, great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Lions game. Coming up in a second, give you a prediction. Talk about why the Bears should win it. Plus, a brand new interview today with Dave Bennett, the sports director at WGN Radio and the voice of Northwestern Athletics. Talk to them extensively about some Bears football, Northwestern football, his trip to Ireland, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Want to start today with this. The Bears are expected to win here. There should be no question, no debate, no maybe. The Bears should win. We should expect it. We should know it's going to happen. The Bears, even in their dark days, even last year, the year before, they beat Detroit. They beat Detroit with Mitch Trubisky. They've beaten Detroit with Andy Dalton. Even with Justin Fields, the Bears have beaten them. There should be no reason, even with the composition of this team, that the Bears lose on Sunday. I'm not going to blame Justin Fields if he plays well and the Bears do lose, but I'm going to be pretty pissed off at this team, similar to what happened after the Commanders game. The Bears should have won that game. There was no exception why the Bears lost that game. The Commanders are worse than the Bears, in my opinion, and yet the Bears lost 12-7. The Carson Wentz and really a Bellish Jones Mapont on top of many different mistakes. I'm not a moral victory guy. I know I've been that way the past couple of weeks. It's been great to see Justin Fields improve, and this week is no exception. But at some point, we have to start setting expectations for this team. Even with the rebuilding season, a new cast, and a depleted defense, there have to be some expectations. Not saying lofty ones, not saying the Bears have to win seven games or contend for a wildcard spot, but they have to be teams they should beat. Losing to Detroit would be pathetic. I know some of you are going to be Lions fans watching this stream, but really, it's going to be pathetic if the Bears don't win. The Bears always beat Detroit. Even during the dark years, they win. And the Bears are going to lose this weekend to the Lions and Jared Goff and Dan Campbell, who, in my opinion, could and should be fired. So just keep that in the back of your head. It's okay to temper expectations on the season. 
It's okay to temper expectations on what's to come for this team. We know there are issues. We know the defense is depleted. Good players have been traded. The Bears are building towards next year. But that's it. We still need to see a fight and competition and wins versus teams the Bears should beat. Detroit is number one on that list. The Bears have to sweep the season series. It starts on Sunday. Now, this is a better Detroit team than in recent years. Jared Goff is doing very well. Serviceable QB. Their run attack is very good. That's going to be a problem for the Bears' defense. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. And even their offense in general is averaging nearly 24 points per game. The offense is going to be key. Can the Bears' defense contain Detroit? Get at least one or two stops, maybe force a turnover. And then the Bears' offense has to do what they've done the past three weeks and just score and score and score and score. That's going to be the key to this game. This is going to be a high-scoring game, and it's going to come down to which team can stop the other one at least one or two times. Whether it's by interception, fumble, or simply a three and out at some point, someone's defense is going to have to step up and make a stop. Now, the positive going for the Bears is Detroit's defense is statistically the worst in the NFL. 32 out of 32. They give up, on average, 29.3 points per game. <laughs> this is why I said Dan Campbell should be fired. I know his personality is likable. Players seem to like him, maybe last year more than this year. But you have a good offense. I mean, Detroit's offense is 12th in football. They have a pretty serviceable offense. They should be winning more games than what they have done already. And at some point, it's not the players. I mean, they're performing. We have numbers to show it. Could just be the head coach. This Lions team is not horrible. There have been worse iterations of them in the past. This one is competitive. This one is going to be tough. I know they beat Green Bay. They hurt Aaron Rodgers. To me, that was an anomaly. Just because they beat Green Bay doesn't mean it's okay for the Bears to lose to them. That's the other key here. Oh, they beat the Packers, so it's okay if the Bears lose. No. Or, oh, the Bears lost, but they're still rebuilding. No. Even during a rebuild, there are certain games you got to win. Or there are certain games that establish you and maybe separate you from being a rebuilding team and having some respect or having no respect to being a bottom feeder. If the Bears lose to the Lions, there will be some respect lost amongst the NFL and other communities. There has to be. How were you losing to Detroit when year after year, even with random quarterbacks, horrible teams, you still beat them? I have the same feelings about this game as I felt before the Commanders game. The same exact feelings. The Bears have to win. There is an expectation of winning. There is the thought of winning. And if the Bears lose, I'm going to be on them on Monday. If Justin Fields plays well and the Bears lose... Although Fields kept them in the game, I'm going to be on whatever part of the Bears lost the game. Whether it's the defense, whether it's the O-line, whether it's a fumble, whether it's Bayless Jones Jr. making another mistake, whoever it is, I'm going to be on them. I know we as Bears fans have low expectations. That's okay. This team is a rebuilding team. But when you're facing a team of similar caliber, when you're facing a team even in worse off situations than you, the expectations have to be raised a bit for that game or that moment. Bears fans, your expectations should be high entering Sunday. There's no excuse or exception for a loss to Detroit. 
if Matt Nagy could beat them, if the Bears could beat them last year on Thanksgiving in that pathetic fashion with that team, there's no reason why they should lose on Sunday. None. Nothing justifiable to say. Lions also have tons of injuries. According to football reference, so many guys are out or are limited in practice, so they aren't going to be fully healthy. They're definitely a rebuilding team with no direction. And the Bears, historically, no matter what their team has looked like, they've won. They've beaten Detroit. The expectation should be another win on Sunday. With the temporarily heighten our expectations, if you're facing a team that's lower than you, the Bears are facing the Lions. The Lions are lower than the Bears. They're worse off. They're in a worse position. They're always the bottom feeder. The Bears have to win. The Bears always beat them, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who the head coach is, no matter what situation the team is in. Last year, Matt Nagy was about to be fired, and the Bears beat them by a field goal on Thanksgiving. We have to expect another win. So I'm just warning you now. <laughs> the Bears lose. They're going to see me pretty pissed off on Monday. Not because of Justin Fields or because of whatever ends up happening, but because the end result is the end result. The Bears should win. Every year they beat this team. So all of us as Bears fans, do me a favor if you're watching this. Have a higher expectation. It's okay to know this team's rebuilding. It's okay to acknowledge it and say we're waiting for next year. But it's also okay, on the other hand, to say, well, we're rebuilding, but need to win this game. Even when the Cubs were rebuilding, they still won 60, 70 games. They still beat teams who they were kind of supposed to beat. Even the Bears last year with Matt Nagy, lame duck head coach, lame duck GM, screwing around with Justin Fields, they still found a way to beat Detroit. As horrible, as pathetic, as boring as that game was, the Bears won on Thanksgiving. They did it. Gotta do it again. And I think they'll be okay. I mean, if Justin Fields plays like he has been the past couple of weeks, it's going to be the Justin Fields show again, and the Bears will outscore Detroit. My final score prediction is the Bears 33 and Detroit 30. Expect a high-scoring game. Detroit has the worst defense in football statistically, but the Bears' defense has been one of the worst in football the past three weeks. Time to expect a high-scoring game. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. But remember, the Bears have to win. We all like offense. We all like entertaining football. But we need to remember what the key is in this game. Now, if the Bears were facing, I don't know, the Cardinals or Rams or other teams better than them, Eagles, we would expect a loss, and we'd be okay with that. We'd worry about Justin Fields' development. But in this game, with a team lower than the Bears, their two objectives, win the game number one, two, advance Justin Fields' development. Number one, keyboard, is winning the game. It is. We can't go that low. <laughs> we could go low in our expectations. We could justify every single loss. We could see this team go 3-14 and 14 and say, okay, whatever. But we can't go to the point where it's like, okay, the Bears lost to a team worse than them. I can accept it. I'm okay with it. I'm happy about it. Justin Fields grew. I know the objective of the season is to develop Justin Fields, but when you play games in which you are expected to win, like the Commanders, like the Lions, you got to win those games. I don't care what you're trying to do. I don't care if you're trying to tank. Win the game that you're supposed to win. 
I know I've made my point very clear, but I'm trying to make sure everybody understands what we should be expecting and what standard we should hold the Bears to. I'm fine with Justin Fields developing, but we need to expect wins when the Bears are facing teams worse off than them. Simple as that. And that's an all-sports lesson. And if the Cubs faced off against Detroit this year, they should have won. Even the Cubs swept the Mets this year, right? Cubs are rebuilding. They swept the Mets even. And the Cubs outperformed their expectations, which were low, and understandably so. They beat teams they should have beaten. They beat a couple of teams they weren't supposed to beat. And look at their record. Great. The Bears have to be on that same trajectory. The Bears have to win games they're supposed to win. If they lose games they're not supposed to win, we can accept it and be okay with it. We're not going to condone losing, but we'll be okay with that. But in this case, if you're facing the team you're supposed to beat, hey, beat them. Just win. We don't have to complain or worry about the Bears moving forward. Justin Fields, I know, is going to go off. The Bears' offense is going to go off. I would bet the over if you're betting in this game. And I would put my money on the Bears here. 33-30 to final score. At the end of the day, I don't even worry about what the final score will be. This is just a prediction for you. But the Bears have to win. I don't care if it's one point. I don't care if it's three points. I don't care if it's a blowout. The Bears have to win. That's it. Stay true to realistic expectations. Realistic expectations aren't, oh, the Bears are rebuilding, they could lose everything. No, realistic expectations are. The Bears are rebuilding. We know that. We can acknowledge it. They won't be great till next year, but when they face teams that are lower than them, they have to win. Hold them to a higher standard and be ready for what's to come this Sunday. Want to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Dave Bennett comes up next, so stay tuned. We're back and ready for today's special guest. He's the sports director at WGN Radio, the voice of Northwestern Athletics. Please welcome Dave Bennett to the program. Dave, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, always good to see you. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, too. Thank you for being here, making the time. Uh, what do you make of the Bears Dolphins game, first off? Let's start there. Well, I mean, I think uh, probably like everybody, right? I'm like, too bad they have to wait till Sunday to play again. I, I think. It's pretty exciting to see what's happened, to see the steps that, that Justin Fields has taken, that the offense has taken. Uh, I, I think that Chase Claypool is going to be a nice addition offensively. And, you know, it's funny when you get a couple of things clicking, it, it, it seems like uh, some of the areas where you were really concerned a few weeks ago about how this is going, the offensive line suddenly looks a, a little better and, uh, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of good stuff happening there. I think people are excited, and I know there's a tendency on the part of Chicago fans to not get overly excited because we've been there before, we've been teased. But I, I think in this case, uh, if, if you look at what the national perspective is on this, just get outside of our parochialism here and, and look at what people are saying around the country about what the Bears did and uh, potentially might do, I think then you can look at it and say, hey, this this seems pretty legit. 
Is this what you expected when the Bears drafted Justin Fields out of college? You watched him play a lot at Ohio State. Is this something that you were waiting for to happen? <laughs> well, I, I, let me put it this way. You've asked me about this before, and I think I've told you that I always thought when I watched him play in college that uh, this guy is, is what you want in a quarterback in, uh, well, 2021 when they drafted him and, and what you want in the NFL in 2022. And, yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's a potential you never know. And, and, look, he's still got a long way to go. I don't think anyone's saying that he's a finished product by any stretch. But I do think that, that you look at this and, and you think, okay, this was a guy who rarely lost a game in college. Granted, he had a great uh, talent around him a great system and obviously a, a landmark institution, but he was also really accurate to make all the throws. And he had that added dimension of mobility and the ability to make plays with his legs. And I think that you've really seen that now on the NFL stage. And I mean, look, how many guys could do what he did on Sunday? How many guys can make a play like that on that, that 61 yard touchdown? And to me, I mean, that's, I, ultimately, he's probably not going to be running as much as he is right now. You would kind of hope that maybe uh, he won't be because he'll continue to develop as a passer. But for right now, uh, and, and the fact he'll always, at least you would hope for a long time, have that ability, I think that's a, that's a pretty good weapon to have in your arsenal. How sustainable do you think this offensive scheme is? Well, I mean, I, I don't see why uh, it's not going to be uh, now obviously there's always the flavor of the month in the NFL right and people figure out uh, they they scheme to stop it and they'll come up with something so then you try to out scheme them so you just have to stay a step ahead but I think that uh, this isn't all smoke and mirrors out there that's the difference you know this isn't something that's that's just uh, Luke Getze is a mad scientist and and dreamt this <laughs> up. I mean, this is this is something that uh, I I think uh, it's 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 still football and it's still uh, they're not they're not reinventing the wheel here. So I think uh, it's pretty sustainable. I just think you do have to be concerned uh, over the long haul of uh, the constant hits that Fields would take, and you want to try to minimize that. What do the Bears need to do to still build around him? What weapons should they be looking at in the offseason moving into next year? <laughs> well, a defense would be nice. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I mean, look, they still need more. They they need more playmakers on offense. I mean, I think they've they've got a good start with, with Mooney. And I think uh, certainly Claypool, as I said, I think is going to be a nice addition. Uh, I, I think they have a nice one-two punch at running back if they continue down that line. We don't really know what Bayless Jones is going to be and, and what role he'll play in this offense. I, I like the fact that uh, the, they've gone to the tight end now more, that Cole Komet's becoming more a part of the offense. But I think ultimately, John, you have to look at the offensive line. If you're going to have success uh, offensively long-term, you're going to have to have an offensive line. And, and if you look at the the Bears' success in the Walter Payton era. What did Jim Finks do? He went out and drafted offensive linemen back-to-back -back, uh, first round. And then if you look at uh, what, what they did when they built the Super Bowl team, it was, it was building that offensive line. And so 
I think that's still as important as any, especially if you want to keep Justin Fields in one piece. If they do that for next year, could they be on track for potentially a playoff appearance or even more? I mean, I mean, you see teams turn things around so quickly now in the NFL. I, I don't see why not. Look, they're 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 three and six now. Their record certainly could be a little worse, but it could be a little better than that. And if it were a little better than that, we'd probably be having a different conversation about looking over the final seven games, how realistic is a wild card spot for them. And if you look at the division, Minnesota looks pretty good, right? They're, they're running away with the NFC North. But, but are we witnessing – I'm not ready to write off the Packers long-term. I mean, I'm not ready to say this is it. Uh, Rodgers has lost it. They're never going to uh, contend again in the NFC North. I, I don't think that's true. But I do think that uh, you, know, you, you could see how, how quickly you can put yourself in position. And look at the NFC East. I mean, look at the Giants. Look at, and and this was a division where what Washington made the won the division a year or two ago, where they weren't even over five hundred. I don't think any team was over five hundred in that division, and now the entire division's over five hundred, and Philadelphia is undefeated. So, you know, I, I I think you make a couple shrewd moves. You've got some money to spend in free agency. You could put yourself in position to contend next year. I don't think there's too much question. It doesn't mean you will, but I think you've got the ability to do that. How do you explain the Packers collapse? I know you mentioned them. I just want your take on that. You know, it's it's weird. I mean, every time I've watched them, and and I've wa- I have watched them some, uh, it's I've seen a guy drop a pass. You know, it seems like uh, really <laughs> they got they got kind of spoiled there with uh, great great receivers over the course of time who made a lot of plays to help out far uh, to help out Favre and then help out Rogers when <laughs> those guys were in trouble. And, uh, you know, they've had a consistent, uh, time here with, where they transitioned from one quarterback to another, uh, MVP caliber quarterbacks. And, but they, they always had guys who catch the ball and now they've got some young receivers and maybe they'll turn out to be okay. Uh, but I think you, you look at, it's not dissimilar to the bears, except they have a more accomplished guy behind center, but they don't have the guys at the skill positions that they've traditionally had. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the main thing with Justin Fields is he needs some wide receiving weapons. And it's pretty funny because the Packers kind of have a parallel there. They don't have any wide receiving weapons. I think the difference is though, Aaron Rodgers is very vocal about complaining. Justin Fields is pretty silent. And different <laughs> places. Yeah. I mean, different places in their careers. Now, maybe uh, 14 years from now, Justin Fields in, in the same situation would be a lot more outspoken. But I think at this point, he also realizes he, he's, he's got to know that he's not where he's going to need to be eventually. So far be it from him now to start complaining about not having guys to throw to because you got to show more before you can take that kind of a stand. Dave Bennett here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dave, let's talk Northwestern now. What's wrong with Northwestern football? Well, I think if you're going to look at one thing, John, this year, uh, it's been, and and really the last two years, it's been uh, inconsistent play on offense. Um, And certainly defense has been a big part of that. Don't get me wrong. But 
you're looking at a team which has turned the football over 41 times since the start of the 2021 season. Wow. 22 times last year, 19 times so far this year. And uh, opponents, last time, I, I think I've got these numbers right. Uh, I, I don't have my all my stats in front of me, but I believe they've been outscored in points off turnovers, something like 45 to 7. And, and that's a crusher. Look, I mean, you're you're setting the other team up, and it's not like they're throwing pick sixes all the time and the other team's running them back, but they're giving teams short fields, which puts a lot of pressure on the defense, and that's happened on a pretty regular basis. Now, uh, it, uh, ironically, they did not turn the ball over for the first time this season on a, on a tough day weather-wise on Saturday against Ohio State, which – is a pretty good team when it comes to taking the ball away. But uh, but I think it's – there have been some some turnovers by guys who don't normally turn the football over also. And and clearly, they haven't had consistent play at the quarterback position. And that's been an issue now for them. It was an issue last year. In 2020, they had Peyton Ramsey come in, and he was terrific for that one year as a graduate transfer. Uh, last year, they had different guys in there as they did in 2019, by the way. And uh, it was it was Hunter Johnson. It was Andrew Marty. It was Ryan Halinski. Um, this year, Halinski started, played really well early in the season. But then he had a rough patch. Then they brought in the uh, the redshirt freshman, Brendan Sullivan. And, and quite frankly, John, I think he looks pretty good. And I thought Halinski looked good against Nebraska and uh, threw for over 400 yards against Duke. But uh, they weren't able to sustain that. I, I think Sullivan looks like uh, a guy who is going to get better. And he's got a little bit of uh, kind of you can kind of see the growth curve that Justin Fields has gone through with the Bears, where uh, some, sometimes he's able to make plays, keep plays alive, buy some time with his legs. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a question, though. He's, it's still the learning process with him. And. And he did uh, he did get knocked out of the game late against Ohio State. So I don't I don't even know what his status is uh, for their upcoming games. Do you think he's going to be? Well, well, let me ask you this instead: What makes him better than Halinski? Well, I I don't know that he is. I mean, I think you need more of a body of work. He's started three games, uh, but I but I do think uh, certainly the the mobility. Uh, has been evident. He, he seems to, uh, he's shown some command there and been able to move the team. I mean, they, even their loss to Iowa, uh, they were, they, look, a lot of teams have struggled against that Iowa defense, including Purdue this past Saturday. But, uh, I, you know, I think he's, for for a guy who hasn't played before at this level, I think he's come in, he shows some confidence. He's got a little swagger to him, which, uh, you know, I don't think is a bad thing. So, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I, my sense is just early on watching him that there's some potential there. And also uh, a, what he's shown on the practice field, I think, was enough to to create a, a head-to-head battle with Hilinski before the season for that starting quarterback job. He easily could have been the guy starting in Dublin against Nebraska instead of Hilinski. But uh, I think Fitz at that point went with the more experienced guy and a guy who also had a real strong preseason and, and, and that paid off that decision certainly proved to be a, a good one for them. 
Do you think Fantasy is going to be on the hot seat after this season? Are you, are you hearing anything about that? I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat. I really don't. I, look, look at his body of work over this is his 17th year, and there's no question. There's nobody who's uh, agonizing over what's happened to them the last two seasons more than he yeah, is. I mean, this is not typical of what they've been. And remember, they had a bad year in 2019, and it was kind of similar. They, they really had instability at the quarterback position, um, but their defense was still good enough. Their, their defense was still solid, and if they'd had any kind of decent play at quarterback, they would have been in a bowl game and maybe contended again uh, in the Big Ten West, which they had won the year before and which they won the year after. Uh, but I, I, I think we looked at 2019, and I remember saying this on a lot of shows I went on. I, you know, I think you look at that, that as the anomaly that season. And I felt that way again in 2021 when they had a bad year. I said, look, they went three and nine in, in 19. They went three and nine last year. And I said, that's, that's not what this program has been dating back to, uh, well, pretty much throughout uh, since 1995, since Gary Barnett took the purple to Pasadena, then Randy Walker won a Big Ten championship in 2000. I mean, this has been a team that's consistently gone to bowl games. They've gone to 10 bowl games under Pat Fitzgerald. So I don't think you turn around and you have a couple of bad years and you say, get this guy out of here, especially when he's not only maybe the face of the football program, you could argue he's the, the face of the university in some respects. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, there's there's going to be a lot of soul searching, a lot of uh, just reviewing everything they've done. And he's done it before when they've been had a bad year and they've come back and and turn things around the following year. Could next year be better for Northwestern? Do you see a path to maybe a bowl appearance for next year? Well, I do. And I'll tell you why. First of all, it's been a very young defense. And, uh, you know, they really struggled last year because, look, they had these guys, you know, who had played their linebacking core. They, they still had Chris Bergen last year who led the nation in tackles. But, uh, but the guys alongside him, Patty Fisher and uh, Blake Gallagher, had moved on. Uh, now Blake's younger brother, Bryce, is their middle linebacker, and he's among the Big Ten leaders in tackles. And he's really come on now in his second year as a starter i think we've seen a lot of improvement there as well as the guy playing alongside him is andrew mueller so i think that the heart of that defense is getting better um they certainly against michigan against ohio state on saturday they played better they tackled a lot better than they have been that's been an issue for them i think their secondary played great and, and i know everybody talks about the win being a factor but but still i mean you're talking about as accurate a the, the number one rated quarterback in the nation in FBS football in terms of his accuracy, uh, C.J. Stroud. And, and so, yeah, I know he misfired on some passes. He's got a great receiving core, and they held him to his Ohio State low. So I think, uh, I, I think there's some room for growth there, certainly, but I, I think that they're starting to make some strides. Uh, now they got a lot of work to do because they've still given up big plays at, at inopportune moments. But I think those are things you can you can get better at. And I, I think they got some guys, uh, like I say, I, I think the secondary, which by the way is missing a key guy, has been since early in the season, Coco Osmo is out for the year with an injury. Uh, but but he's, he's the guy who provides a lot of juice back there. I think they've got the potential to make some strides. Plus, 
Now they've got some guys who aren't playing yet, who who will, you know, maybe see in the field here and there here as they play that freshman uh, save the redshirt thing here the last few games of the season. What to come with Dan Bennett in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Hey, Bennett, still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dan, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, Ireland. Tell me about your trip to Dublin for Northwestern. I, I loved it, John. I thought it was absolutely terrific. Uh, and uh, it was it was just a, a great experience. You know, sometimes you take these kinds of trips, and whether it's a bowl game or, or a basketball tournament, but there's travel issues, there's problems, the hotel's in a bad location. There's <laughs> It could be any number of things, but there's always, no matter how good it might be, there's always going to be a little grump about something. And I have to tell you, we were there, we left on a Tuesday afternoon from O'Hare, got there at the crack of dawn on Wednesday, and uh, returned the following Monday. And I didn't hear one single, there may have been some complaints that didn't come my way but i didn't hear anybody complain i thought everyone had a wonderful time now did it help to win the football game <laughs> absolutely it would have been a kind of a bummer to go over there and lose go all that way but i can tell you that i think the experience still would have been very worthwhile i think from everything i could tell the players enjoyed it the traveling party enjoyed it they had a ton of alumni make the trip over there uh, and and I think that, that the people of Dublin were so welcoming and, and so uh, they were so into it and and really, uh, I, I think, embraced the whole concept of it. And I thought it was just a, a really cool experience. I had my son with me and, and he works with me in the booth. And so he and I got to go out and explore the city some. And and uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those those things I will cherish the memories of that week. What do you do non-football related that you're going to rem- remember most about that trip? Well, I, you know, it's funny. We we went one day, uh, I, I guess, now I'm thinking back on it, uh, because we went to practice first couple of days, and I think it was later in the week. Might have been Thursday, might have been Friday. He and I took a train to a to a uh, a town right on the right on the sea and uh and went hiking up in the hills along the cliffs along the seashore there and then went to a a local pub that was kind of a landmark and had lunch he really wanted fish and chips and uh (laughs) had a couple of pints and uh yeah that was just a real nice day just just uh, uh him and me we just had a really good time and then the day after the game on Sunday, one of the things Fitz did, he wanted to make sure that everybody had a day. He wanted to make sure they had a bye the following week, which they did. But he also wanted to make sure they had the extra day there so they could they could see the city. So the players, a lot of their families made the trip. So you want to give them a little time to hang out, right? So he made sure that we had Sunday free. And like I said, it's a good thing they won the game because – uh, Sunday would have been <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of a drag if they it still would have been good, but it's a little different when you've won the game. But uh, my son and I took an e-bike tour of Dublin, which was re- I'd never ridden an e-bike. He had he's ridden the Divi e-bikes here, but 
Um, that was a really cool way to see the city. We went all over. We saw uh, different parts of the city we hadn't had the opportunity to see during the course of the week. Uh, saw churches and museums and, and just uh, different areas uh, that, that were beautiful. And it was just a lot of fun in a great way, even though it was a little scary at first, because first of all, you're driving on the wrong side of the road, at least as far <laughs> right. as we're concerned. So it, that took a little getting used to, but it was just, I, I will look back on that very fondly. And Dave, before we finish up today, last question, what's the funniest speed joke you've heard? <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. My my favorite speed joke and John Williams speed jokes is um, they're not making rulers any longer. Oh, okay. I get it. Yep. I get it. Sorry. It's took a, me a minute there. <laughs> some of these, see the, the idea behind the speed jokes, and I don't know if people realize this. John started this at the beginning of the pandemic. Because if you remember, we were all walking around. People were dazed. They were worried. They were scared. Uh, it was there was an awful lot of bad news. And so he thought, let's take a couple minutes every day to just rattle off uh, just a series of jokes, just to give everybody a look. He, there's no way he thought we'd still be doing this over two years later. And along the way, I became part of this. And so he asked me when he told that ruler joke. It took me a minute, just like it took you a minute. And the more I thought about it, it's it's the ideal speed joke because they have to be fast and there has to be you have to be able to get the punchline pretty quick. And I for some reason that one stuck with me. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate the time. Uh, best wishes at Northwestern and WGN and looking forward to the next time we chat as well. John, always great being with you. Continued success. Thanks for having me. Red Talk there with Dave Bennett. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook, John Zaglou. You want to watch more of this show, head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. So long, everyone. No! No! Never the turn off!